It is Saturday the 8th of August 2020 and this is episode 380 of Digital Outbox. Welcome along to another episode. It's always nice to have an episode that's a rounded number, isn't it? 380. Kind of harks me back to the... I remember the episode 180, which was very exciting. Um, and yeah, and the very rounded 360 episode, which is 20 episodes ago now. And, and, Hello, and Ian. It's, it's funny because I, I typed 380 and, and in my head I had the Darts commentator shouting 380. But why would he shout 380? I've, I've got no idea. But that, <laughs> I, the same the same thought triggered with me. I was like, 380. But I do yeah, I have fond memories of those rounded numbers. I'm not sure. Well, maybe 380 will be another classic. I doubt it. Some, <laughs> what? <laughs> Four, 400's the next big one. Yes. And that's not very far away. You it's know, a whole that's... 20 episodes away. That's, that's great maths. And depending on... How quick, I mean, if we turn them around as quickly as we've turned these last two around, then maybe we'll be there in the next week. No, I, I, I'm thinking it's next year. How many weeks? What week are we on? It's August. No one knows. No one cares. What year is this? What decade? Yeah, we're we're not going to we're not going to another. No, we can't. Do this that. will this will be peri- This will be just the COVID period. I uh, think yeah. we're not going to do twenty before the end of the year because that's that would be like forty weeks worth. I was going to say, it, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. It, <laughs> I was going to say it's the year that never was, but I think it's actually going to turn into the two two years that never were. So we'll see. I'm just looking forward to um, Charlie Brooker's screen white. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. What have we done? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, Trump hasn't stopped working away. Uh, we mentioned this, I think, maybe the last time. Anyway, Trump's come out and he's signed now uh, an executive order that bans TikTok after a set date. So it's going to say in 45 days time, unless they've done a deal to sell uh, TikTok to an American company, uh, they will block transactions is the word they use. Uh, they haven't defined what transactions is, but they have said they will block transactions with uh, Tencent, which owns TikTok, I think. And then a number of a couple of other companies sort of included in that same executive order, basically saying if you're a Chinese company, uh, you better have a US owner, a ship of the US data Otherwise, you're in trouble. Uh, yeah, and this this is this is dark times for the kind of like I guess app economy, digital economy. So this is proper. It's like the old fashioned trade barriers have finally found, you know, app stores and and digital mm. content again. Um, the and and I mean related to this. So the, the interesting one for me was also the you know banning, you know, WeChat. Um, mm-hmm. And and then the link to Tencent because Tencent owns so many or, or you know percentage owns so many game companies. I mean, Epic have got a is it a ten or 30 percent? You know, our own. I think it might even be more than that. Um, yeah. It's I think it might even be. I think it's a majority stake, so they're probably the biggest shareholder. And this is it. As soon as you scratch, start scratching the surface away of where all that money and where all that kind of business goes to, um, it yeah it does. It, you know, it does start showing you first of all the inter, you know, interlinkages between all these things and where all these these companies that run, say, TikTok, which seems quite benign. Hey, it's just collection of user data. But the US's argument, and and whether you agree with the the, the stance or not, and whether you think it is just positioning, there is definitely uh, you know a, a vast number of 
Chinese firms that do collect a lot of data. Now, the if you again depends what side of the argument you come down on, but certainly the Trump side of the argument and India, I think, have done the similar thing where they they have also they don't like the fact that all that data is held in China. In China, the government has executive control over that data by legal decree. And they're worried that things like a lot of espionage and hacking comes from things like uh, being able to blackmail people based on their user data. Now, if they're collecting, you know, what you're watching, what you're searching for and all those kind of things, that data can be used. And they think that might be a vector into some of these attacks and some of these, you know, user credential scraping and all that kind of stuff that happens is is via that kind of angle. So that's where the that's where the argument comes down on. Now, whether you believe that is just an argument they're positioning or whether you think that it's a real threat depends on where you <laughs> uh, depends on where, where you you were what you think about trump i guess and i think also just the fact that they're using the language transaction um which which people are struggling to you know what does that really mean so it's it's loosely defined gives them wiggle room because this is all knee-jerk law that's been that's been written um you know so it's you know it, you know the, the the first reaction was well what's the impact in tencent holdings and they've had to clarify it saying it's only wechat we care about we don't care about anything else but it's a slippery slope. I mean, the Indian one's interesting because it's against ByteDance, which is the TikTok owner, and it's a, a, another. I want to say, is it fifty? Yeah, fifty-nine other apps. Mm. You know, so India have banned a whole host of apps. Um, so and- Tencent has links into Spotify, Snap, Reddit, Tesla, Warner Music, Universal Music, Lucrative Games, uh, Fortnite, Epic Games, so Riot Games. That, that you know, this is and this is almost, I think, the the concern and the underlying argument. Now, again, it's not like this is a new bit of news for uh, America or the world. Uh, this has been seen, but, and, and like I say, whether it's just been used as positioning, don't know. But nevertheless, when we do still see China doing, you know, bad things and reported in our press about the, the kind of suppression of um, their, their population and still sending people to camps and, re, you know, all those kind of things. Which, again, it's hard for us to define. But what we do know is that there's definitely something going on and China aren't telling anyone about it. When we hear about still they suppress news like the virus and, uh, you know, where they, they, they delayed that, that kind of news. So, uh, you know, and I guess all this furore around Huawei and getting them into the communications network, this all seems to be directed at they just don't want China, whether, you know, to be so ingrained in everything they do, yet they obviously want themselves to be ingrained in everything we do in the rest of the world. It's like that it's positional and it's, it's protectionist and all those things, but it's equally, there's probably good reason for doing it. Uh, yeah. Uh, and to me, it's, it's just all, all ties back to trade war. And also, if it wasn't coming up to American election right now, this wouldn't be happening. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I mean, and I guess it also shows that from taking from the other angle. Fundamentally, if you take, if you try and remove China for everything you do, then you it, if severely affects our, you yeah, know, yeah. the day-to-day operation of the world at the well, moment. Well, look at the Huawei impact. You know, yeah. it's it, it's a, a decades impact. You know, it's like people are, you know, fundamentally technology-wise are fundamentally broken now and having to, you know, well plot the next five to ten years to unpick that. Yeah, uh, and and. And then you've got to argue, you know, is that deficit worth it or should we work more to try and resolve some of our differences? And they, they're, they're the differences of opinions, aren't they? Do you work to resolve them or do you just try and excommunicate? Do you try and chop off and remove that, that thing? Yeah. 
So the next, I think the next, the next forty-five days will be interesting because again, I, I still don't get Microsoft being the ones to to be connected. And then the Treasury themselves. getting the money for it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All that. All that's so. We'll, we'll, we'll watch. We'll watch with, with interest, and yeah, and is interest because it will affect a lot of things. If especially if this does go through, because they know there's going to be legal challenges and all that kind of stuff about what does this really mean? What what is the end law going to be rather than these executive orders and things like that? And how how does it, you know you can't just have a law that just says one company you don't you know we don't want you here. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just I, and and you look at you know the the apples, the Microsoft, the Sony's that are all about to launch really you know you know key gear you know, gear quarter for them coming up all made in china you yep. know so there's you know, the yep. consequences of this could be quite significant uh mulan so disney is disney's new release that was due out in all the uh, shops um um but uh they have delayed the release into cinemas sorry when i say shops i mean cinemas then i uh <laughs> that is they are the shop front for movies there you go uh anyway uh they're due to release into all the cinemas but they kept delaying it because of the covid crisis they don't obviously want to do release into the cinemas until everyone can go back now even though people can go back to the cinemas people aren't going back to the cinemas i think only about three percent uh, of the same figure last year are, are entering into the, the you know going actually going to the box office um so Disney have come out and said, right, we are going to release our um, new release on Disney Plus. It's going to come as a premium product. It's going to be $30. Um, and that's what we're going to do. And obviously, for Disney, that makes a lot of sense. But from the cinema's point of view, they are crying out in pain at the fact that they're now not even going to get these new releases coming to them and it's going to go to the streaming. And they're saying, effectively, Apple's decision, whilst, you know, Apple, I'm mean, sorry, not, uh, Disney are making the decision for what they're saying is financial reasons, which is we either want to make some money or we don't. And if we run out of money, then you're not going to get any films going forward. Um, uh, but the cinemas are saying, but this is the end of us, so you won't have anywhere to show your films. It has to go. Uh, and then we've lost cinemas. The, you know, the world has lost cinemas. Uh, yeah, it's a, part of me feels there's, a, there's an inevitability about this. Um, and maybe something you didn't touch on was the price. So this is so $30 um, on September 4th you can stream. That's a big price. Yeah, big, you know, big that's price. That's a big price. Now, what they're saying is, because I think they called it you can you can rent, but I think it's actually own as well, because they're saying if you've got a Disney Plus subscription and you pay the $30, that's always going to be available for you as part of your subscription. Um, so it feels like a kind of... You know, it's a kind of rental slash, but I'm purchasing as long as I still keep Disney Plus. Um, I, I I see both sides, but also for for years it's been talked around cinemas. In some ways, it's a great experience because there's nowhere else gives you the the scale and the audio, and and it's like you know, wow. But at the same time, I I, I get annoyed with other people whittling away or on their phones. <laughs> you or... should have just stopped. At... I get annoyed with other people, full stop. <laughs> <laughs> but those, those little things, and it still doesn't stop me. I mean, I mean, it's like, you know, if a Bond movie came out, I'd want to see it in the cinema. You know, one of the big Marvel movies, I'd want to see it in the cinema. Sometimes that excitement and the buzz around you actually Helps. adds to it. Yeah. You know, adds the to fan the reaction, yeah. you know, when there's a big set thing, or, you know, when one of the main characters, you know, maybe, you know, and I chuckle now, but last year's Avengers, and one of the main characters, you know, dies, and you could, people were crying. Yeah, so it's and the would, physical yeah, and, the reaction and, and in, the, in the room. And I don't get those kind of reactions, you know, myself. But no. even other people were like, wow, people are really, you know, lapping this up. Um, so I can see both sides. But I think I've, the way I've always looked at it is, and I guess I've priced this at a level that's 
that's a lot of people will go, well, if I'm alone, I'm not paying thirty dollars for this, you know, on a no, streaming I, service. What, what if, if if I'm honest, and, and you, I'm sure you'll add to this, but the, what I think they've done is they've gone right. If we were releasing this to a movie and then post after afterwards releasing this on DVD, what's the money we would likely get see from that transaction? Well, we'd see whatever it is, ten, fifteen dollars for the movie, and then ten, fifteen dollars for the uh, DVD sale afterwards. This therefore is the equivalent of that, so that's why we're going to come up with thirty dollars, so that we don't lose out on any money. Um, so they've gone through this old world release and, and thought, well, what's the money that we would have got from that? Well, they, that must be it. That must be the worth to everyone. But I look at this and think, that's thirty quid you're asking me to spend, or I could just wait, probably, you know, uh, you know five six months down the line and i'll be able to pick it up for five ten dollars uh, even less maybe or just go and bin it or i'll watch it for free on disney plus because you'll release it on disney plus for free uh, eventually i'll yeah. get it as part of that subscription but again yeah. you've got to be a disney plus subscriber and some uh, yeah, of, like but, me it's not enough of a draw so yeah i get that again get that. the bins become more attractive again yeah and, and i'm sure there's a i mean obviously there's a bit of accountancy here because they're they're looking at it going, how do we recoup our money? Disney, course, for the yeah. first time ever, made a loss this quarter because none of their resorts are opened. And, you know, yeah, although it's Disney, massive. I mean, although Disney Plus is doing, I mean, I think they're over 60 million subscribers now because they've priced it at a really good price point. Um, but I think there's also a bit that says, this is them dipping their toe in the water, that says, what happens if we went to a model which is, what if we released it in cinemas and in our streaming service at the same time? Yeah, would what will people, people do? Yeah. You know, would, would I, you know, so I might think, see, for this one, I do want to see it. Don't really need to see it in a big screen. I've got a big screen in my house. I've, I'm, you know, I don't need to play, you know, I don't need to pay for the, you know, overpriced crap popcorn and the crap hot dogs and stuff. And I can, I can, I can pause it and go to the toilet without sitting there having toilet exam. All these little things that, that are negatives. But against that is the big positive we talked about in the UK, not the UK, but just in the cinema. Um, so I see both sides, and I, I do wonder if this is a dip in the toe that says, see in the future, we might, and I know there was another deal that's been announced, was it, I think it was Panasonic, not, was, was it, who was it? Can't remember now. Paramount? Was, Paramount, I was going to say Panasonic, and I stopped myself, yeah, I was like, I, that is right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think they've done a, a, a deal that says cinema, a cinema release can now go into DVD or streaming 21 days after. And again, cinemas are up in arms around this because they're seeing this as the erosion of that monopoly period they've got. If we... Maybe maybe it is the end of the, the super cinema, you know, the mega complex of big releases. Because... Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm looking at it as, I don't maybe see it as the end, but there's a kind of natural evolution here that some people would prefer, you know, if the content's here, let me pay for it. And if I want to see it in a cinema, I'll pay to go to the cinema. You know, if I want to go. But if friends. that, but if that means that's no longer economically viable, that's what the cinemas are saying. I can't do yeah. that unless we have all this, yeah. all the content come to us for a period of X months, because otherwise yeah. we can't do what we do. And, and I guess we'll see, is what I'm saying. You know, so it might, it might, and it might be like everything. So I think, you know, you know, so for some companies, you know, the pandemics, you know, brought around digital transformation. <laughs> that's been the big switch, and people are working from home and doing all that stuff. Um, and this might be again a, you know, the current cinemas we know it will change. We won't have as many because they're not as popular. But we still will. I still think there'll be a need to, you know, I want to go and see the new Christopher Nolan film in an IMAX cinema. I want, you know, he shot it in IMAX. The only way you get to see it at that scale and that volume is an IMAX cinema. And but, I would gladly pay for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the problem is, do those things still exist in the next 
say, n- period of 12 months where we aren't going out and we aren't doing things because in le- until a vaccine comes along and, and the, the virus is naturally suppressed. And who knows what's going to come in the future? That's the other thing. You know, there's yeah. nothing to say. We won't have another pandemic. There's, you know, no, no, it, and, and everyone do, would say the chances are high. Yeah, so. And I do think this has changed, you know, what people's perception are of, you know, what's, what's cleanliness, what's clean, what's, yeah. what's safe. You know, so, and I was, I was talking about Shaq, you know, putting on a mask and sitting in a cinema sounds all right. But then if somebody, you know, if somebody really cleaned the seat I've sat on, for, you know, that I'm sitting on for three hours. You know, when yeah, you and can you, are, and will you, will you naturally touch your mouth and yeah. nose and eyes? Of course and, you will. And there's people That's what humans do. drinking all around it. So you're yeah. spilling, and, and it just, you just start to like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah, really, and that's what really everyone don't. else is thinking, which is why. Yeah. And this is where it's it comes down to this is we're hearing about we're talking about one thing here, but any sort of entertainment and gathering scenario, which is pretty much anywhere where you go and do anything, <laughs> is is potentially coming up in questioning people's mind. Do I want to do that anymore? Is it worth the risk? Uh, and that's not necessarily going away at all. So, unfortunately, we're probably going to have more of these these things happening. We've covered off digital versus cinema now but you know equally you're going to hear it every you know all sorts of things um uh, over the next 12 months and it's not a very good outline and, and for you really there's plenty of industries that are going to disappear and that obviously has a massive impact on on if you're involved in that industry that is <laughs> you've got to go and refocus your whole life and depending on what stage you are in your life you maybe can't do that and, and, and to be honest i think every sector and industry is looking at you know, what what is it? What does our future look like? You know, well, let's go. Our... Let's let's talk about CES. They've cancelled yep. their Las Vegas event. A massive, what is a hundred thousand people would normally come to that event. So you think about all of the businesses that have, uh, you know, they, they set up their stalls in there. The the kind of the company that owns the, the 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 exhibition space. All those things that rely on all these people coming together into one place to demo. Again, they're not doing that anymore. They're gone online only. And who knows, maybe they'll find that that is successful and actually is a, a good way of doing it. But all that infrastructure is now laid laid bare and it doesn't have a use anymore. So it's a massive change. Um, but nevertheless, CES have decided we can't bring these people together. People won't come and it's just not safe to do it. Uh, so they have made that decision to go online only. I remember seeing it with E3. We're seeing it with Gamescon later this month. Um, we're seeing even like the big shows in Barcelona and Germany, you know, the big tech shows there having to go. I mean, we saw it with WWDC. I actually thought WWDC for me, so I've never been. Part of me always wanted to go to WWDC just to be you in may that never kind of get atmosphere. To but, but actually, I thought the content they produced this year was better than other years because it was yeah. it was focused on the you know the home user. It was not, less about the show in the yeah. audience. It was more about no, what so, you're so, being shown. So not about in person and and, and yeah, and, going to different places in their company and showing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and. So, so we'll, we'll see what CES brings. Um, it definitely feels like, and, and again, you're you're right. So, so Glasgow, if I look at you know locally, you know a whole lot of you know conferencing set up. There's a whole lot of you know if I look at a, a conference complex, all the hotels round about it, they're dead right now. There's mm. there's nothing. Again, all like that to, has to get repurposed now. Yeah. Basically, is the long and short. And, and you're seeing you're seeing like you know people move lots of things from March, April to August, September, October. They're all now getting shifted to June, July, twenty twenty one. Now, just had the London Marathon come out and say we're not yeah, doing yeah, the London yeah. Marathon, all those kind of things. Yeah. And it's not even sure that April next year. In fact, they've said that it won't happen until October, likely next year, to give mm. themselves that another twelve months uh, yeah, where things look like they're now yeah. going to dra- drag on that far. Yeah. And I guess that's the kind of thing where you know people have to train for months for it, so they need to give them some. They need to give them the d- yeah. d- exactly a date. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, but yeah, so yeah, CES moved on and, and say lots of questions over all those kind of events and things that we would normally have. Uh, other impacts of COVID, I mean, pretty much all the news we're coming up with now is, is kind of impacts of COVID, but Intel has delayed its, what they're calling their seven nanometer chips uh, until 2022. These have already been delayed several times already, but this is their kind of miniaturization technology. I think they, they class their current chips as 10 nanometers. So this is just a sort of taking a, you know, another, that, that another chop down in size, which gives them efficiencies and, and all those kind of things. Um, so less power, more efficient, faster and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they've had the they've had problems. They call it a, a deficit in there or a defect in their production process. So what they're finding is struggle to do is take what is already microscopically tiny <laughs> and make it even tinier. Uh, and it's not surprising. I mean, other chip manufacturers could jump into the you know see this as an opportunity to jump in and say, effectively, their their smaller te- technologies are ready to go. But there's still questions around whether really. The, the, the used to be the seven nanometers used to be like i think it was the distance between um various um like transistors on your circuit board or something like that but actually they don't really it's, it's more of a marketing term now to just sort of highlight that it's, we're, we're going smaller again uh so where one company might say we're doing seven nanometer technology doesn't necessarily mean it's the same thing as another company so it's doesn't make too much sense anymore but nevertheless other companies will see this delay in 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 intel's chip release cycle uh, and could well say right well we've got more modern chips here you go have some philly boots and we're seeing that with amd really uh, yeah and i mean I, I mean we've known for a while and, and I, I think you're right to talk about the market because it's, it's felt like intel have been behind you know for a yes. number of years now you know and it's you know apple have kind of said as much that's why they've struggled with some of the designs you know why haven't you upgraded this you know imac or macbook and it's almost almost you can tie it back to the Intel release cycle, you know, so they used to do that kind of TikTok or TikTok, and that was the, yeah. you know, kind of like big upgrade, minor, big upgrade, minor, uh, and and they've been minor, 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 minor for for a number, you know, a number of years now. Um, and what what was telling? So they've they've made a, a you know, so their head of technology has moved on, um, and and I think they're they're clearly behind from the, in the manufacturing space. I don't, I'm not seeing design, you know, so I think this article. You know, it points out that they're one of the few places that does both design and manufacture. Whereas you get others like Apple do design, but it's um, you know, they'll man- they'll get manufactured by somebody else, and, yeah. the- and the other people are manufacturing at seven nanometers. And as as you say, it's bonkers that we're we're talking about that kind of size, but it's um, you know, it's, it's- I, if you haven't watched already, I urge you to go and do a search on YouTube for you know the the chip manufacturing process. It is bonkers what they do and how they go from a you know the large design documents then down into actually printing these things it's it's a it's an incredible process and just it's mind-boggling what chips are nowadays it's just ridiculous yeah. from where they start to where they've got to now it's bonkers. and i think the key bit for intel is is that because they can't hit these low levels you know they're not as energy um, efficient you know they've got heat challenges as well and they just they've just missed that mobile piece totally you know, yes, it's, uh, it's, they have done. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's huge, um, and I'm not saying Intel are dead. They're a huge company, and as you say, AMD is kind of catching up. And I guess it's just a sign that something that that you know you you always saw Intel inside, and that was always a thing for a PC. And AMD had they almost like bumps on the road. It was like, well, you can you know if you look at this, you're looking at it at the kind of low end or the mid processor. AMD are almost there. 
It does always, it feels like, yeah, Intel do go on their, their wave cycle and AMD occasionally nearly reach them, but they then they're more often than not they're below the curve. And that's what it's felt like up until now. But there's no saying that continues, especially with people like Apple now moving away from Intel. And who knows what impact that has. It, you know, Apple are now a sizable part of the PC market, whereas they never used to be. Um, uh, but whether the move away from Intel will actually mean that they become less relevant, well, that's another argument and and you know, there are strong arguments either way to say whether this is a really good move for Apple or not. Yeah. Um, sort of a, 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 an array of hardware releases we've had um, in the kind of phone mobile industry. Um, OnePlus has come out with their, uh, their, it's their Nord device. This is kind of going back to what I remember OnePlus doing well, which was uh, a really, really high quality handset at mid range price. Um, so they've still got their top of the range kind of, um, product um but this one is positioned to be almost as good but at a much cheaper price so we're talking about a 379 handset which again when we were talking the other day reminded that when we were back in apple one and apple two days they, that was expensive for a massively expensive for a handset but now that seems massively cheap for a handset it's just bonkers how your brain changes and again doing all the kind of OnePlus stuff which is cram a whole ton of power and um memory in there um the the one concession to their sort of top range is the fact they're running on lower end um chips so that the chip technology is slightly slower the screen is different um and not quite as premium they are saying things like it doesn't wrap around the edges um but still it's a 90 hertz refresh rate and it's still an oled and still 1080p which again when you think the progression of phones is bonkers yeah um, you know i mean for me bang for buck hard to hard to argue with it um, I think yeah. the only thing that people were saying was was just that worry that the processor, you know, it's kind of like maybe mid to low range right now. So in two years' time, you know, is there going to be apps yeah. coming out that you'll really struggle with? But in but, two years' time, you can buy... It's a bit like the argument on PC. You can either choose to have the, the cheap processor now that's going to last you one to two years, or you buy a top of the range, which is mega expensive, but maybe will last you four or five years. And the same thing with the phones. Do you want to have a phone that's going to be good for the next two years, yeah. or do you want a phone that potentially could last you even longer? Uh, and I think same. And you know, Google have come out and announced a lot of their products all in one go. So um, it feels like they've got a quite a quick release cycle. But they've released the four um, A. So this is their effectively this is like their incremental um their mid-range price handset with most of the features you have from their old level premium so pretty much a pixel 4 strip out some of the top endy edges off of it and you get a pixel 4a um but they also announced the 4a 5g <laughs> and the pixel 5 um at the same time now pixel 5 is going to be available so i think it's later in the year or maybe early next year um but the so the again the price is around the four a three four nine dollars so you can expect that to be around three hundred fifty quid um, so again same kind of market that the OnePlus is hitting this is what the four a is about uh, and it, but you know the reason the Pixel four a five G is being announced is because carriers don't really want to advertise anything to users at the moment unless it's got five G in the um, your yeah. capability. Uh, yeah, so so I think you've kind of covered it all really neatly there. And again, the the Pixel Four A for me similar to the One Plus, so hitting that mid range, you know, it's just the choice that you'd make. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, and 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 I think also it, it's really quite telling because they're doing that in amongst you know Samsung's just announced some high end products, Apple's about to announce some high end products, you know, from the phone side of things, and it just key differentiator. You know, it's like we're half the price, if not if not. 
you know, more than half, the, or sorry, less than half the price. You know, it's and and if you spec it, you'll be like, hold on, what? What, what the some, hell? Yeah, yeah, what are the big differences that I'm really getting? You're into some small, subtle differences. I mean, the 4A has got all that um, computational photography. Smart. Which is the key selling point yeah. of those handsets. You know, so it's 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 maybe not got all the cameras. I think it was missing one of them. But it was still... Uh, and I'm just looking at the notes. So Pixel 5, although the, the hardware's not announced, it's coming this year as well. So it's almost like... And it's... I always find Google a bit strange. Like, I don't know whether their stuff leaks or whether they deliberately leak it because when something leaks, they then just put it in their official account and go, yeah, it's coming next month. We'll tell you more then. And that, and uh, and to be honest, that saves a lot of the yeah. that silly clickbait news yeah, stories yeah, yeah. that you hear yep. constantly about, which I've become increasingly tired of. Anytime I see a, a headline which pretty much says, <gasps> bah, 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 you know, the 349 for the Sony PS5, and then, and then you go into it and it's like, well, somebody said that maybe that's going to do that by an analysis and twice removed. And yeah. Bob's cousin said that's probably likely. Yeah. And then, and so yeah, I disregard that those pixels, you know, those stories now completely. And, um, I mean, the four A overview. I mean, as I say, they're they're saying you know when it comes to photos, you know, as good as iPhone eleven Pro, Samsung S twenty, you know, so more, you know, half the more than half the price. Um, often wins, and again, some of that's down to computational photography. Uh, video not so good, but the but I think less people use their phones for video. It still is, you know, more of a you know a picture. People capture people, do, yeah. People capture their video, but it's quite rare for them to actually sit and set up a shot. You know, like if you're going to do more of that kind of stuff. So all the kind of YouTubers they'll be using a separate device to do proper video. They might use an occasional bit of camera footage, but no one really does it properly. So. Yeah. That, it's a, I mean, it's an OLED phone, you know. It's a five-point inch display. It's this, so it's, it's. I would say design-wise, it's not like you, know, you can see the bezels are still a little bit thicker than others. But see when you think of the price, it's like that is it's bonkers. Absolutely You're paying an bonkers. awful lot of money for a small bezel, aren't you? That's yeah, the yeah. thing. And and does it really add anything? No. Um, and yeah, so Samsung also coming out with their new suite of um, products. So Galaxy Note 20 Ultra. So this is the one, this is this is taking the other end of the extreme and, and saying, right, what can we cram into a device? Everything. It's got uh, and, everything they've, it. and they've literally dumped everything in there. But we're talking 1,200 quid for a, a phone now. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just, it's just uh, head bending. Uh, and now, now because they've got the two grand one, which is their folder, um, and, and in fact, they've announced they're going to upgrade that to, uh, you know, to a new version as well. So... This is where at the, this is the point. Unfortunately, it's in the Samsung piece. I think I'm over phone releases, and I think I'm over tablet releases, and I'm even over computer releases at the moment because they're just all increments, and they're they're not exciting to me anymore. Whereas, like five, ten years ago, they were the most exciting things because it was so it was moving so yeah. fast, and everything yeah. was developing, and having a, a computer held in your hand had all those possibilities. Yeah. Now a phone gets released and it's just another increment or it depends what level of power you want to be holding in your hand. For me, the excitement around technology now is how do you use all those handsets in a creative yeah, and it, uh, interesting it, way? And, and I, 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 I fundamentally agree as well. I think we're, we're kind of, we've known that for probably, I think it's just, it's becoming more apparent because it is really, you know, apart from maybe like the folding phones, which seems like a kind of new category, but the rest of it is all well. Look, instead of a you know, instead of the notch, it's a hole. 
in yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. That's oh, the, they've moved from a hole to a notch. They've got a fourth. They've got a fourth lens yeah, on the back now. You know, we've we've, we've now got and, and and to me it feels like the biggest thing. The, the debate points now seems to be, you know, on the back of the phone. How big is the you know the camera? because if you look at the ultra, the Note Twenty Ultra, I think it it feels like it's like six. We almost need to get to the bit where it's at least the full width of the phone, yeah, so that at least but... it still sit on the desk. And they'll say one day, "Oh, we've angled that so it can sit nicely on your desk without but, but, uh, that but, rocking when you touch but, it." But it's huge when you yeah. look at it, and and I mean, it's and again, when you look at this, when you look at the specs in that Ultra, it is bonkers what's in a phone. You know the, you know it's got Dolby technology. It's water resistant. It can go. It can record video at 8K. It's got all these different lenses. It can zoom up to some hugely you know what was it was it was it yeah so the so samsung spatium feature offered a hundred times zoom um but the optical zoom from a periscope is five times it's just bonkers what they're you know the engineering in it still you know amazes me but it yeah, just, but... just looks like a phone you know it's, yeah. like, it's like there's nothing particularly like wow so for me, the more interesting side is that, yep, the use of that technology in a kind of collaborative way now that everyone has these phones, things like track and trace for COVID, we could solve that issue. The biggest issues we've got are the privacy and protection and moving forward with that technology, which I think we'll get around at some point or people will realise that the benefits are, are, are better than the drawbacks. Now, whether those drawbacks have significant societal impacts around the world, uh, that's what we need to assess. But And that's what holds us back more than anything. So it is not the handset now that is holding us back and and that's why it's far less interesting like we don't cover any pc releases and why would we because ultimately they all look and run the same same with apple now apple are moving to their new system and there's another whole argument around whether that is going to be a good thing for them or not um but yeah that just the overall when i was reading these notes and thinking what i was going to say on this podcast it was very much meh don't care really don't care and i and i think i think even because we touched on ces earlier you no, know, so CES we used to cover. You know, it was like there was there was tons. And, and last, what was going the ne- what was the next big thing coming last, out of CES? The last three four years for me has just been really jaded. You know, it's like there's there's just really. They've also not... picked technologies that just have been not what we wanted, or rather the three D yeah. TV and you're down exactly. And... So they, we went through a three D TV phase, and then even this year they were talking about eight K tellies, and it's like just What's... just not no. not there. You know, it's just not something I'm interested in. So out the, interestingly, out of the Samsung because you're right. The, the Samsung phone, I was like, meh. The tablet, I was just like, whatever. You know, it's like there's, there's an iPad market and a really small Android tablet market. Would you, you know, there's uh, the nothing. Really in, to, I, for me, though, even the folding phone, well, that's just a phone that turns into a tablet. It's, again, it's very clever technology to get that done. And who knows where that will lead. But at the moment, it's a screen that turns from a phone spec to a uh, tablet. And uh, both uh, of those things we know. Yeah. The, the bit I'm interested in the folding phone is that kind of Star trek vision. Do you get to it that's so thin it's just like bits of paper? That's when it gets, you know, technology-wise, get interested. And I remember at CES a number of years back, they were showing how they could have a screen yeah. that was on a completely yep. foldable thing. But it shows you the complications around the reality of that these devices that they're putting out are super expensive and super fragile you know they yeah. they have they haven't resolved all that yet yeah definitely the, the two products that did interest me so there was a galaxy watch 3 um yeah. and again it feels like there's a there's an apple watch market and then there's a really small android watch market yeah. but i think the so samsung are taking the same track as apple and focusing on health and it had a couple of important health things in this one so it's actually measuring um you know blood oxygen which 
there was loads of chat right at the start of COVID that, you know, that was a, a really good sign if you had one of the little blood oxygen monitors that yeah. as you're starting to feel poorly, it's a good sign that if you get to a certain level, right, you really need to go and get medical help now, you know. Yeah. And whether that's 100% true or whether that was just, again, a bit of football, I'll never know, but I think it's interesting that it's a bit like you're saying about, you know, we've got the technology and it all feels a bit commoditized now. It's what you do with it. This yeah. is the health benefits of the Apple Watch. You know, when they brought in the ECG part and you're yeah. like, holy crap, I could actually be, you know, it's it's meaningfully now looking at me. And it's not just saying stand up because that was always the running joke with the Apple Watch. It's telling me to stand up every hour, even though I'm stood up, you know, what's all the, yeah. all the crap. When it starts to add in and again, I think fair play to Samsung. Again, there's a health warning around the, you know, they stood up in stage and said they're still waiting for a regulatory approval. You know, so there's that whole piece around is the technology reliable enough to actually, you know, come with the, you know, yeah, can you really can you really say these things until uh, it's provable? And that's and yeah. that's where that you know that's where no, yeah, you probably ass- can't. <laughs> ass- but assuming that comes, I really do think it's interesting. And again, they've got the trip yeah. and fall detection that Apple had added in last year. And I'm not just seeing it as a catch up. I just think it's really interesting that these devices are now. They're focusing on, we can actually help your health. We can actually make a meaningful difference to how you, you know, stay alive. And, and, it's, and it's, it's how do you progress that as well within the confines of what's acceptable? Because as yeah. you collect all that data and you yes. store it somewhere about someone, then people like insurance firms uh, will want that data and will pay a lot of money for that. So it becomes really useful for you and your health and your well-being to get these alerts and notifications but also it becomes financially crippling for you if that data goes to an insurer and therefore that's stored against you. So it is what's right and wrong to store when it, it, all these things can really help us all at an individual level, but they but were I, also I guess you know, the problems. flip side of that, that if you took out health insurance today, you'd probably get it at, I don't know, a certain rate. Um, and if your data could actively prove that actually you are looking after yourself and it was monitoring and showed you were leading a healthy life and that either brought your premiums down or helped you you know, there's 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 both sides of this. Of, yeah, of course. Um, but then again, you know, is it fair to because someone can live a very exceedingly healthy life and still have a deficiency or whatever that yeah. there's nothing. It's not their problem. They maybe have a genetic defect or something. And like should the, they be uh, inversely p- p- penalised for the fact that they were born like that? That that's right. kind of these are the kind of moralistic questions you got to uh, ask. Yeah, but I, I tie it back to things like car insurance. So should I have a tracker in my car that says, you know, so a die, you know, me and you will go and get car insurance, we'll get charged the same, apart from we're in different locations and we're, you know, age-wise, you know, I'm an old dog now compared to you, so, you know, so, so. I think so. it all, after, after 40, I don't think it really matters anymore. Oh, Shaq turns 50 next year, tell you, that just feels <laughs> like a milestone event in our little you know peer group it's like jesus christ anyway you need to sign him up for lots of like saga mailing lists so he starts getting them all through oh, i've got a little list of those actually that I'm does he of... want to park a pen <laughs> would, you, would you like the reader's digest <laughs> exactly. just, um, just sign him up but there's a um i've lost my train of thought what was the talk about I've been distracted by Shaq turning 50. It's such a... It's like a brim mouse we were talking thing. about, do you have tracker in your car around the, the car the insurance? tracker's in the car, you know, and that, that to me is like, am I, am I, you know, and again, it would probably hurt me because you would say, why are you, you know, why are you aggressively accelerating and you don't need to aggressively accelerate and all that kind of good stuff? But for some people, that will work out and help them. Um, and, and you're right, there's a... I think we're, we're at, right at the cusp of that, you know, in like smart cars and... You know, AI cars were right in the cusp of something changing in, in these markets and data being the primary yeah, thing, uh, not the technology, like, 
bit of data. Yeah. And that, and that's it. And that, it's, so in, it's interesting to me what that means, you know, from societal point of view. If everyone, if you're being monitored at all times and you choose to have that monitoring, yep. it makes you act different. It, you know, it's, phys- it's proven by a scientific experiment. People act different when they are being watched to when they are not being watched. And Absolutely. then, but they also feel, even though it might be to benefit of them, it, they yep. also feel like they're being you know oppressed and all those kind of things and it's yeah, really so, so it's the same with the working from home we've had lots of working from home debates you're you've worked from home for what decades decades yeah. decades you know but for some you know, for a vast majority of people in the uk they've flipped from a you know 95 in an office environment having a local manager or even a remote manager but but somebody that you know that you're you know that that idea of i'm being watched i've got somebody managing me it's now all you know trust and and you skip i i, I mentioned it i don't think in the podcast but you can see people and probably more of the right-wing papers if i'm honest and right-wing sort of broadcasters saying people need to get back to work stop sitting in your gym jams at home and get back to work and that's yeah it's exactly that, the same thing as you know the you benefit scrounges is yeah. that feeling that someone's yeah. getting something for nothing yep. when it when actually the, there are some people out there that he will be taking the piss there uh, the majority of people will actually be more diligent again it's been proven I, I was, yeah. I was, and, it, and it's a great to me. It just some, some. I was talking to one of my my friends at work, and he's he's, he's managing quite a sizable team, and I was asking him about productivity and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And Ian, I'll be honest, I've got arseholes at home that aren't doing anything, but they were the same arseholes that didn't do anything in the workplace. <laughs> yeah, they... I, I says all we've done is change where they sit, and I says, and and we need to deal with that. Yeah, and 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 that is the reality of it. If somebody's going to swing a leg, they're going to do it whether they're sitting in an office or sitting at home. Yeah. Um, just one last thing: the Galaxy Buds. That everyone's coming out with their buds at the moment. They've chosen a an interesting uh, noise cancelling scenario, and actually, it's one I think is is pretty a good balance for buds, which is they're not going to cancel environmental noise in general, so talking and other sort of incidental sounds. They will get rid of background consistent noise so if for example they said if you're on a plane they're getting rid of the drone of the plane if you're you know if you're near a motorway it'll get rid of that kind of droney sound of the motorway but if someone talks next to you it will still come through and i thought that was actually quite a nice balance at that point um you know balance to to say yeah this this is noise cancelling but still in a a responsible way and i think with buds especially what I found, I've got some Pixel Buds. I don't think I ever told you that, but I bought the Pixel Buds. And what I find is they're not noise cancelling, but what they are is isolating in that you plop them in. And the only way then to, you have to physically remove it, then you've got this weird bit of technology <laughs> just hanging out in your hand. Um, whereas, so I quite like the idea of, with Buds of not having noise cancelling, whereas with the headphones, it's quite easy just to quickly whip them off your ear, listen, and then go back into your little world again. And I think that's the difference between buds and headphones. It's it's more of a kind of faff to take a bud out, listen to what's being said, then whack it back in again. So I, again, the buds were interesting to me because, so I think obviously, you know, Apple kicked this off with their first AirPods and, um, and the big stocks coming down and Samsung kind of called it out saying, well, you know, we've got a bud and you don't want to see this awkward bit of plastic coming down because even the AirPods Pro still have a, you know, there's a little stock there and they use that as a bit of a control mechanism, which I find awkward as hell and I never use mm-hmm. it. Um, but I, I, I actually like Samsung's approach here. And the only thing I wish they'd called it was they, they called it the Galaxy Beans. <laughs> it, it looks like a bean. Yeah, um, but I, I just think I, I really liked, I actually really liked their approach. I thought it was a really smart way of, you know, and whether whether it's marketing around where their technology smarts are, I'm, I'm not I'm not quite sure. But it's it just made sense to me what they're saying. Yeah, 
Agreed. Um, okay, so the, a number of weeks back now, we had the Xbox Games Showcase. Um, uh, we haven't had a we had we had that last podcast, but we chose to leave the Xbox Games part of that to this this sort of part two. Um, we've already rabbited on for 43 minutes. I can't believe we had all these notes as one show. That would have been a catastrophe. Um, but yeah, so that, Xbox basically came along and said, here is our release games for our newfangled console. Aren't these exciting? And I think mostly the generic feedback was, nah, not really. Um, I think that's probably how you'd sum up that that showcase. Yeah. Now, it, and it was, they, a big, it was a big deal for Xbox. So yeah. Xbox had... I think got lots of good press start the year on the hardware, you know, in the way they kind of leaked it out and then they just showed everything and it was like, this this actually looks really good. Um, Sony, bless, bless Sony the hardware and you're like, oh, it's still on the mark here. And then, and then Sony did some stuff around games which were like, wow, those look really good. Come on, Microsoft. Yeah. And Microsoft kind of did a, was it a May event or June event? And it was really meh. It was like, wow, this is, this, this looks really bad. And then Sony's now done their hardware releases and again, it's like, Yep, you take a good, you know, different, bold design decision. This was Xbox's big, you know, we need to show you the games that are coming. We need to show you what we're about. And it, as you say, it was a bit, oh, that didn't really land. No, I did. And, and uh, so th- that's, what I'm seeing is a focus around, there's lots of games with narrative now, more than the, just the sort of action genre. So that's hard to show in a showcase, yet. What we would, what we did see is that some of the big titles, so Halo Infinite has had endless reams of column inches recently around the, you know, the the display they put on. They put on what what was very an underwhelming thing. It, it's still it's Halo, and who knows, the game could be brilliant to play, and it probably will have, uh, you know, that Halo feel, and that's what we want. But the look of it was not next gen. Uh, you know, in fact, some of the older Halos, I would very much argue, looked considerably better. Now, there is an argument they've they could have just be going back to the basics of what Halo actually is, which is a, a representation of an imagined world. And therefore the textures aren't that and the this that aren't in depth and the bump maps aren't such, you know, such important because all these surfaces are supposed to be smooth, but it just didn't hit home. And I think Halo have, and all the problems we've seen earlier in the year with people leaving uh, and just deserting <laughs> 343 over the, it seems like they... They're, they're making this new games engine and i think they've realized how difficult the process of creating a games engine that is going to last you into the next gen is going to be um you know they've gone it alone and it's 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 not worked out so far yet we haven't seen anything other than a little bit of their single player so it, we shouldn't judge too much but it's certainly not been good for no, the publisher pub, you know that was their big opening gambit and it didn't yeah, work yeah it's because especially that was like they're kind of like well you're all here for infinite and i actually thought I bet you the show at the end and i thought well if they're showing us at the start this is going to be a damn good next hour um and, and it was interesting for so so the defense they've went into is a bit like you're saying they've changed the art style to hop back to earlier games and that's what they're trying to say. It's an art style de- decision. We saw no multiplayer. Uh, and since then, there was rumours a day or two after that it might even ship without any multiplayer, which, which again, tells a story. Um, and again, they've been, went really defensive and promises actually, you know, Forge is bigger than better than ever. You know, we've got a real thing around multiplayer. We've designed it all round. You know, we want to have events around it in the competitive angle and we are really focusing on that. Um, and we've got more to tell you. 
So, but they're so close to release. It's it, a bit like when an apprentice yeah. candidate goes, I just haven't managed to show you everything I've got to deliver yeah. yet. So I, but you, you, time was yesterday to do that, yeah. not not telling me it's going to come tomorrow. So there's, you know, we're in, we're into last quarter. You know, you've got you've got three weeks of August, and you're you've got you're, you've got last quarter to hit. Um, so they they really need to start getting out the messaging around, you know, release dates, pricing, um, and again, it'll be interesting because part of me wonders with Halo, you're going to get the because more and more games are serious. So we saw it with um, you saw it with things like um, Sea of Thieves. You know, you release it and then you spend the next three four years iterating it, and it um, never quite recovers. It, it has its you know yeah, has its but, people but, um, watching it and using it, but it never I, quite recovers. I, you know, Grand Theft Auto. Red Dead, yeah. but but there's not many rock stars. So I think everybody no. wants to have this, you know, release it once and get a constant revenue stream coming in, um, and it's not it's not easy. It's not easy. I, I think, and this is you know uh, an interesting argument. If you de- develop a games engine which must cater for the high end specs as well as the low end specs, you've got to concentrate on both. And what we're seeing is all the games. Well, actually, they went against this, and we'll come on and talk about that briefly. They said all the games that were going to come out on Xbox Series X were also going to come out on Xbox One. Um, and, you know, you have that scaling technology. We've had it in PC for a long time. But the complications around that mean that you do also have to focus on where do you, where do you, where do you pitch this game? What, are you doing it for high end and then just working out how do you do it for small ones? Well, that's all very well and good, except for if you've got massively large environments, that's really going to make those low end machine or lower spec machines struggle. Um, so, and I think that's something we've seen that they're having to meet across all these things. Also, that then if you don't pitch to the highest um, console, then really the added benefit of having that extra console yeah, what's is what's the point of it? You yeah. can play all these games looking pretty reasonable because they've had to focus on these other consoles. Um, now, we did see them kind of almost, they, they said everything they were doing on Xbox One X, Series X would be Xbox One X as well. Um, but Forza, interestingly, just said PC and Series X, and Forza as a game looked pretty amazing. And now, again, we it wasn't a finished game; it was very early in development. They just showed some, I think, representative screens of what it, they're expecting it to look like, and we know how they change over time. Um, but yeah, it was interesting for me that some of these big developed games that looked good are not being focused towards the other consoles; they are just console exclusives almost. Yeah, and I, and I don't know why, but. But Microsoft really struggled getting their message over. So they, yeah. they, they put out a statement like, you know, well, there'll be no exclusives. And then seven days later, half of these titles look like they're exclusives. So it's like, so what are you telling us? Mm. You know, is, is the title wrong? But, you're, but you've been able to craft this video for months. You know, it's not like a live event where somebody's misspoken or stumbled over words. You know, so they're they're very carefully selecting these messages and and they're mixed and it's confusing people and it's putting it's putting doubt in people. The the other thing I think they're struggling with is that they take another example. Ori and the Will of the Wisps a game that's been out now on uh, current gen consoles for quite a long time. So I guess several months at least. I can't remember the exact timescales. Everything's a bit warped at the moment. Uh, and they showed another example of it in 4K running at 125 frames per second. They showed a side by side view now. This was, granted, this was on a live stream. It gets compressed, it gets downscaled. Yeah. It gets like, they were trying to show you how awesomely different this <laughs> looked. And you couldn't tell. <laughs> the game is exactly the same. Yeah. And the, the the detail, you know, they had to go and they had to zoom into something and say, yeah. oh, look how much this is glowing and the ambience bouncing yeah, off of yeah. this, that and the other. Yeah. And it's like, uh, this game runs at 100 miles an hour. I'm not, I, I have no 
visual my eyes do not pick that up so yeah it's really um yeah i i think they're almost there <laughs> they're shooting themselves in the foot by doing this double uh, this console you know it doesn't matter what device you get you can still play the games i think in the long run it may be the way to go and again a bit like around the kind of Microsoft pushing the media when they should have been pushing games in the long run they have turned into a bit more kind of media consumption you know you can do your YouTube and you do all your TV you can do your TV through and all that kind of stuff and that's just background so I think it was a Verge article that I think kind of nailed nailed the kind of difference between Microsoft and Sony approach now and it was uh, Microsoft to the Netflix and Sony to the HBO you know so you yeah. l- less titles more quality um, and, I, and I think that's a bit harsh on Netflix, to be honest. But, but you know, if you did look at you know, what my favourite TV shows are, there is more HBO than there is, you know, yes. Netflix. Yes, yeah, absolutely. They ha- and they you do know. have the hit and they do have this, but yeah, it's more about that all, all and, and, and I think I think it's, you know, so Microsoft bought, what have they bought? About 11, 12 studios now over the last two, two three years. And the content that's coming out, I'm not seeing the same content that's coming out of the Sony either owned properties or the kind of first parties that they always work with you know the you know not adults the world that it's just not it's just not there um you know so fable was shown right at the end and that's the know, only bit that got me excited yep. Genu- genuinely the rest so, of it i was kind of just sitting watching i'll, I'll tell you the so, so halo is a disappointment for me i actually looked at forza and i was like that does look you know what i would say next year but it's but but, it, but it's but the same away. way as it's been for, yeah and and even miles since away. the last xbox conference we've yep. they've been telling us what's coming up Yep. And, th- and that hasn't changed. <laughs> you know, and, still, and, and it's guess, still away. And I guess this sums up, I guess, you know, the kind of platform for me. The focus is now on, on you know, Xbox Game Pass. And the fact they've got Destiny 2 and all the add-ons all coming yep. to Game Pass, I thought was a big deal. Yep. Um, and that was one of their biggest call-outs. Because the other games are all a bit of a... Oh, you know, they were yeah. almost like typical console launch games. Where, and again, it's like that Netflix thing. They're having to hit all the markets so you're the not same really as we're seeing, talking we're same you know, as we're talking about on the phones now just becoming jade because graphics are now such for high fidelity even on the current gen it's hard for us to notice the difference going into next gen um now when you actually look at the the maximum something like a, a series x can put out yeah it's very it's very impressive but it's no more impressive than kind of current gen pc tech so we yeah. see it all the time anyway. So it's not new to us. We still get exposed to it. It kind of is new in a console arena in that this will be the first 4K, true 4K that we've got, which is running at a reasonable pace and with the, the kind, yeah. of, kind of power that needs to be behind it. But yeah, for me, Fable was the only thing exciting. Uh, Forza is, it's been a game that has been increasing in graphics for X years now. Uh, and yet still, I only play it for like two weeks and then I'm bored of it. So yeah. Forza Horizon is a different matter. We, that keeps yeah. me going for a long time and another bit that i was and, and it felt like a miss so flight sim's been talked about for the last year and the, the game engine looks amazing and every time i look at the clouds and you look at the environment you think it's amazing and they've always said coming out for pc and xbox yeah um and you think surely considering they showed you know and, and maybe this is back to don't don't do everything all in one show you know because it gets lost in the noise and i know there's a bit of that so they've got marketing guys that know what they're talking about and maybe we're going to get drip fed august september october you know through this year into a release that you'll be like yeah it's going to build and build and build you know and, and they might come they might come out with multiplayer this month in halo and you'll be like oh wow they've 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 nailed it because there's an interview with the with the um the head of the halo game studio and she was like you know we know we messed up 
you know, four campaign was meh, but multiplayer good. Five campaign good, multiplayer slow to start with, and it took a long time to build. We need to hit both, you know, on on Halo Infinite. We know that, and we are we are determined to do it. So even just calling out where the missteps have been in the past gave me a bit of confidence. But it's all on the defensive. It's all it's almost like we need to roll out the the, the folk to see this is coming now. Um, and it just I I just don't get why, you know, they've got something like, you know, flight sim. I wonder whether they. I wonder whether they thought it was going to eat into the fact that they are the buzz is now big for PC flight sim. Exactly. So, and that's what I mean about they've got a whole ecosystem, and they're they're doing a massive. I think a massive amount positively around the PC ecosystem now. You know, putting their titles in Steam. You know, and you're seeing it. You know, they're talking about how they're really proud that some of their first party games are now in the top ten in Steam. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and really emphasising that they're wanting to. You know. It's back to they don't want to be limited to just being on Xbox. They want their title, you know, so they're not in Sony, but they want their titles everywhere. And that's the advantage and the disadvantage all in one sentence there. Yep. Um, so the final bit we're going to pick up on today is around all around cloud gaming. So Microsoft uh, obviously is now starting to push their xCloud um, streaming service. And um, so they've kind of given the announcements and it is going to be part of the game pass ultimate uh, and you'll start going to be able to use uh, that and various games on on x cloud if soon if not already starting to see that coming out now um but the it is effectively going to be android only because they cannot and they and and Apple will not allow the style of application onto their platform where you effectively are a, a thin consumption client on the as an application uh, and all the games and stuff and the purchases are all made within a different ecosystem so apple are not budging and they will not have um they will not have it and it was a so firstly there's a discussion point around does that curtail the the system or the the, the idea of cloud gaming so much that you you're excluding apple from all apple products from all of this and the whole market that therefore exists or does that is this a bad thing for apple in that are they with their move to their own silicon where they're going to be restricted on games and now they're saying that we're not going to have so these these cloud gaming services available on our products is that a bad sign for apple this is a real in the balance for me in you know the, the, where does where is who's got this right and who's got this wrong are you so- are games strong enough to draw people to a platform and are Apple going to miss out therefore on all of this because they're not doing cloud gaming and they're not doing um, the, you know, their, their hardware is going to be limited in support for gaming. So, so I don't think, I don't think for Apple, you know, there's a, I don't think the market, I don't think, I don't think that they're going to see like a nexus of people heading over to Android so they can go and do some cloud gaming. But I think they're fundamentally wrong in the approach they're doing. You know, I read this this week and I was like, this, this, so we covered it in the last podcast, and I know we, and I'm so glad we split these podcasts because it allowed yeah. us a bit of room to talk about these topics, or else we'd have just, we'd have just, you know, one-liners, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I look at all the antitrust stuff around, you know, Apple and you know, and Google and Facebook, and and this to me is another prime example. So the quote, the quote that, so I, so you're right. Microsoft released this, you know, announcement that said, you know, X, you know, our gaming service X Cloud coming September, Android only, and they've been running a test flight beta this year in ios and i was like this if if that beta was going well they wouldn't have just said android because ios is obviously a huge platform you know there's there's you know 
how many devices out there <laughs> you know that are, yeah. that are, that are, that are ios um, and again you look at something like an ipad you know compared to an android tablet market it's just not there you know it's yeah. it, it's it's you know 100 times sales and the bit that's disappointing for me is that is the is the kind of press statement that apple put out um, i'm just going to so the app store was created to be a safe and trusted place for customers to discover and download apps and a great business opportunity for all developers fine before they go on our store, all apps are reviewed against the same set of guidelines that are intended to protect sorry, that are intended to protect customers, provide a fair and level playing field to developers. I don't think anybody's got a problem with that. Our customers enjoy great apps and games from millions of developers and gaming services can absolutely launch in the app store as long as they follow the same set of guidelines applicable to all developers, including submitting games individually for review and appearing in charts and search. In addition to the App Store, developers can choose to reach all iPhone, iPad users all over the web through Safari and other browsers in the App Store. And what they're saying is they want to review each game. But this is about money. It's not about reviewing the content. This is about them grabbing a digital tax for me. I just no, because, can't, can't yeah, escape that. I don't think Apple do a full game play test uh, you know, on every single game they get in. They do a functionality test, no doubt. But I, they, they, their job is not to do the ESRB, the, the kind of ratings for a game and what that means. Their job is more functional. So, yes, I, I do believe also not. Yeah. Both these situations, again, they're selling this as a feature of protection and garden walling and making sure it's safe and, and whatever. And that it, that is one of the effects of what they do. Yet the other effect of what they do is is that they enforce a 30% charge on every single thing that gets released on the app store. And that they're kind of saying that, well, that's just an unintended consequence. <laughs> and that's being a bit dishonest because they know very well that that's there and there probably are ways around, around that. Uh, but that, that, you know, it's not like they're not short of earning money, but again, everyone in this consumerist world that we live in is very greedy about and, and investors are very greedy about that so no, agreed and 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 i think fair play to microsoft they because i thought betsy they'll sit quiet they'll just say you know we can't release it at this time but they actually came out with quite a bunch of statements so our testing period for the project x cloud preview has expired unfortunately we do not have a path to bring our vision of cloud gaming um to, to the apple app store apple stands alone as the only general purpose platform to deny customers from cloud gaming and game subscription services like xbox game pass and it constantly treats gaming apps differently applying more lenient rules to non-gaming apps, even when they include interactive content. All games available in Xbox Game Pass catalog are rated for content by independent industry rating bodies such as the ESRB and regional equivalents. We're committed to finding a path to bring cloud gaming with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate to iOS platform. We believe that customers should be at the heart of the game experience, and then it just goes on to, you know, PR. But that, but that's my problem. Netflix is there. iPlayer is there. Sky Go is there. There's a whole lot of music apps here. There's a whole lot of podcasts there. They don't vet yeah. my. They don't vet our pod, podcasts, but I can yeah. download Apple Podcasts and listen to our podcast on it. So, what's the difference with games? Oh, yeah, I know what the difference with games is. It's because you see that as a competitor, and you want that 10, 15, 20 percent. You want to yeah. apply your digital tax, and I think I, I just I'm so disappointed that, I, and and I guess this is a bit. Would I ever use it? Probably not. <laughs> You know, I'm arguing about something here that I will probably never use, but that to me is not the point. To me, Apple, the most profitable company in the world, you know, the biggest from a money point of view in the world, see the the, the way that the, the you know, walled garden approach, it's our way or no way. And even, you know, you hear things, and, and this is why they're a problem, you know, so the economy is on its knees and they're wanting to pay half the rent, you know, and that's that, that came out, you know, last week as well. 
they've then I reach out to all their UK you know places and says we want half a rent because everybody because you because you're doing it to everybody else we want it as well. There's a there's a bit of there's a bit of Apple being a good social citizen here. And they do talk it's a bit like a being... politician going out and having their using their ten pound voucher or their fifty pound voucher yeah. on their bike when they they earn eighty seven thousand pounds and exactly. using taxpayers' money to go do that isn't quite the idea. No, and, and I, if you've and got I, the means, you should you should do it. And I just I just think that I, and so again we've not seen Stadia in iOS, you know, and they, and they struggle with it. And again, the last one that just came out yesterday was Facebook. So Facebook has finally launched. And we talked about Facebook gaming because I was like, what's Facebook gaming? Because to me, when we talked about um, Mixer shutting down and people going to Facebook gaming, I was like, is that a thing? It, but it turns out it is a thing. And they've just launched it on iOS, but without games. Um, because... So that sounds that sounds more dramatic than it is. Facebook gaming is, again, another, say, streaming service. But actually, they did have a number of inbuilt games that you could sit and play uh, as part yeah. of that service. And that's what's not allowed. So Facebook gaming without gaming sounds dramatic, but actually it's it's one element of it. The it other is. elements do But again, exist. the statement, unfortunately, we have to remove gameplay functionality entirely in order to get Apple's approval on the standalone Facebook gaming app. Meaning iOS users don't have, or sorry, iOS users have an inferior experience to those using Android. And and obviously these big companies are going to use all these levers now, especially when they're up in front of all the, you know, the committees. So they're going to be saying, well, he's more protectionist than I am, and you know, I'm not doing that, gov. So there's going to be a whole load of that. But it 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 just it's... really sticks in the throat that that you know Tim Cook lied when he stood up when he, when he, when his video conference last week he says nobody gets preferential treatment, and it's obvious people get preferential treatment. Amazon have got it; it's in the bloody deposition. Yeah, we've seen documents. yeah, we've seen it in various occasions. And, yeah. and you can see it here again. I mean, so so it's interesting. So Gruber was like, I actually think Apple's doing the right thing here. You know, Microsoft wouldn't allow Apple Arcade on Xbox, and I was like, how have you come to that? So because, so because Apple Arcade's not on Xbox, that's the reason that that you should stop. You know, Xbox Game Pass and this, and the, the cloud streaming service being on iOS devices. That's that's rubbish. I, yeah, I, I look. Uh, my my, I am safe. Apple has never been a massive games machine you know, platform on anything that they've done really. Now you can argue that iOS gaming is moved on to such an extent that it is actually pretty robust and strong now. Um, the form factor is an issue. Um, but they've so when you buy a Mac, you don't buy it because you want to go and play games. However, recently with the increase in people buying Macs, you've had things like the Steam Store available, which is at, and when you're making a buy-in decision, if you have a platform that is incapable of playing games, you're you know there will be someone else in your household that is going to be a big thing for them. They want to play some games. It doesn't they don't have to be the latest games. They just I want to play some games on my computer. You take that away and, and the direction that Apple are going in is that they're going with their own hardware. Therefore, the games... So I think we're saying Steam's going to be... is not going to be on Apple anymore. Um, so I think there's a challenge around, you know, like 32-bit you know, games and that's a, a big majority of lots of people's libraries. So that, and that, so that takes away a massive... Just like... And when we're talking about Apple, so the people that use Apple for Apple's sake probably don't play those games. But someone who's come into that market recently having games on that platform is probably one of their purchasing decisions okay it's got some games i can play them are happy it doesn't have to be the latest ones you take away now on their mobile devices cloud gaming which is the direction where a lot of these gaming services and providers seem to be going and, and subscription services again 
you're kind of excluding games as an important part. But I say that the reason that you've got such a big market share and you saw the growth around when Intel became you know, the chip inside of a Mac and, and, and where we saw that growth was because you were able to play games. Take that away. And I think that's quite a serious dent in their capabilities. And I would say it's not a comfortable one at the moment for them, as in I see that as a problem. Agreed. And another part I see it as a problem is if I fire up the Apple Store app, which everybody will do probably every day or every couple of days, in the bottom tab I've got today, I've got games as the next category, I've got apps as the next category, and oh, I've got Arcade, which is Apple Arcade, which is their $5 a month or £5 a month subscription service. Am I really getting $5 or $5 worth a month when I compare it to what Xbox are now throwing at me or if I pay $15? And the content that I can go and consume on an Xbox, a PC, and I could have been doing cloud gaming. If I had an Android device, I could be doing cloud gaming right now. That I think that's where the anti-competition piece needs to come in. I just I just really have a fundamental thing where people say a game's different to a movie or a TV show. They don't need to rate those, but they do need to rate a game. Why? Why Why does Apple need to vet the content of a game, but doesn't need to vet a content of a, a movie? When it's actually very clear what that game exactly is, and they can exactly. they can still go and vet it. They can. <laughs> I'm sure the games manufacturers will allow them to vet a game, but yeah, what they're I, saying is they don't have the control over it. That's what they're saying. Yeah. So and so they don't have the money for it's, it. It's again one that we'll watch and see because I'd, it's it's whether the you know whether there'll be fundamental changes. Um, I doubt it because Apple are very Apple-y when it comes to these things, and I love I am um, being very critical. I love my Apple products. But yeah. I, and I, and one are, of the reasons is they keep type control over it. Exactly, and they're one of the few that have got the kind of they've got the software, got the hardware. You know, I'm really looking forward to what Apple Silicon brings. I think there's a real opportunity there around energy efficiency. So you're excited designs. by this? Like, I'm, I think it could be so, the end. So, so, the, <laughs> so, the, so, the, so the reason why I'm excited by it is I think I just think back to so, so see if I think of the first five six years of us doing the pod because we're talking about we're into like year twelve now. Um, the first five six years, the technology was all you know phones were new and. But, but we're now at that point where it is now often there's things like you know am I going to get an AI delivered car to me and is my watch going to actually look after me and say oh by the way you know Chris has tested positive for COVID today and you're in, you're in trouble you know, all these things are the, the, the kind of benefits of the technology that now surrounds us um, but data is a big thing and security is a big thing and that big brother society is I think coming yeah, for better or, or worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's already here. If you, it's, it's just already, a bit hidden at the moment, really. Uh, yeah, and, and something like you know, you know, so the pandemic is showing, I guess, maybe the benefits, but then obviously the the challenges around who's watching that data. Yeah, who do you trust with it, and is it such a big thing, or do you just accept it as part of life? Yeah, so all, all those big fundamental questions. Anyway, that, <laughs> gosh, we've been going a long time. Um, too fresh on a Saturday morning. Clearly, we need to be more jaded and do it in the evening when it's hot, and then, we'll, then we won't rabbit on quite so much. Exactly. Well, you're usually fueled by about fifteen coffees by then. So, <laughs> indeed. Uh, so there you go. Anyway, that is that is our content. Our two back-to-back podcasts. Again, I think you deserve extra brownie points. I think you know if you message us and say you got this far, I think you'll definitely get some brownie points. Top you, fan. Well, we're not we're not going to reward them in any other way. So. I can't afford to reward them. Yeah, virtual partner back. Uh, absolutely but that is worth something in this virtual world 
<laughs> if you want to find out more about us, digitaloutbox.com, info at digitaloutbox.com. If you want to tell us that you got this far or even just tweet it out on Twitter, why not? Digital Outbox is our at handle. I am a cheesy UK on uh, Twitter and Ian, where do we find you? Iandick.com for all the, the things that I no longer post about. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you very much. And we will speak to you again. I'd say soon, but not as soon as the last time, but maybe not as late as we were before because having two podcasts that are over an hour is not good. Bye. All right. The last, the last one was under an hour, but never mind. <laughs> was it under an hour in the end? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was such a long time ago.